0: A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what the conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Not For Nothing. My name is, of course, Kyle Leon Henderson, and you are in for a treat today because I have a gift for you, and you will be obsessed. I have someone that everyone needs to know about on the show today. Uh, his name is Andrew Hodge. Hi, friend.
1: Woo! Woo! Hi, Kyle. Kyle thanks applause. for having me.
0: Okay, so I've been telling the people that in are in our, our circles that you're coming on the show, and they're like, oh, I'm going to listen to that one.
1: No pressure. <laughs> well,
0: And also, they don't listen to any of the others like, now that one I'm going to listen to. That's sweet. Of you that know, me. and you know, you bring in the you bring in the joy. Uh, I do have joy in my heart because when you and I, we do our we have the, sh- the, the, the listeners know that I have a performative job that I do that's in the industry. And that's all I say because it's just like you say something about your company, and then they're like, yeah, I heard what you said, and now you're fired. Right. right, right. So you and I do the same performative job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're you, born for it. And I, uh, we were born for it. I think we both were. <laughs> yeah, on the same day. On of the, the same, same day. Mother, <laughs> by the same mother. Um, yeah, everybody thought that you and I. We're the same person right. when you came in. They're like, why is Kyle retraining for this job? No, nope. <laughs> it's like he's not. He's already <laughs> upstairs doing his job. Uh, but yeah, you and I, we have to work together sometimes. And last year we tricked someone and well, a few people into thinking we were brothers. Yeah, because it was getting ridiculous. And then I cut my hair and everybody's like, y'all don't look at all like, all like. and you your joy. So oh, well, thank you for having me. What would you like everybody to know about you?
1: Um. Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, now I'm so tempted to start with like falsehoods. That, Do it. No, Do it. but um, <laughs> mostly that uh, I am a a philanthropist. <laughs> Don't laugh. I'm a philanthropist. Okay. I'm an aspiring philanthropist. We'll say <laughs> maybe. No, you are a philanthropist. Sure, sure, you are. I'd also like to make sure that your listeners know that I am. The reigning employee of the month.
0: Oh, you are. That is true. You are the reigning employee of the month, which we have no faith in that title <laughs> whatsoever because of the employee of the month two months before that. And then Tom Jello, who has the nicest arms in all of Hollywood, mm-hmm. got it after two of him. Them. Two of them. He's yeah. got a whole set. Um, he got it. And we were like, well, that is good, but that does not restore our faith in this. In this position, but then you got it. And we were like, now that is a position I will aspire to. Now the bar is snapped. I literally told this at the higher ups. I was like, if that's your employee of the month, the guy two two months before you, I said, don't, don't ever give it to me. Uh, I don't want that to be anything that I am associated with. But you're associated with him, and that's great.
1: Yeah, I didn't tell him
0: anything like that. And look <laughs> at me now. <laughs> but you are from Philadelphia?
1: Uh, not that I know of. I'm from New York. Oh, that's right. right. The East
0: Coast. (laughs) But no, doesn't your Uh, name badge... I do have some
1: family in Pennsylvania. Your name badge says Pennsylvania, right? County area, yeah.
0: Okay, that's... Yeah, we have to... Yeah, okay. I
1: say that I do have family there. I put it on my badge because... Uh, I like The Office. A lot of people like The Office. It oh, it refers from, to The Office. I oh, but I didn't it's realize. also true. Yeah, that but I am it's from also there. True. Yeah.
0: Well, and yeah, you moved to Hollywood. I did indeed. What's your welcome to Hollywood? What's your dream?
1: Thank you. Um, do you know? I used to be an actor, and I was a musical theater performer for mm. many years, uh, in and out of New York. I toured. That's uh, right. Mostly in uh, like Broadway musicals uh, on the road, mm-hmm. and and then. COVID obviously shook things up for a lot of people, for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. And I want to meet the one person who's like, <laughs> was what, like, was, what, COVID? COVID? what yeah. was COVID? What was COVID? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I was not one of those. I was in the majority. And things changed. And it happened right around when I was also kind of having a shift in my in my life and my goals. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I found my way out here to California right when it was looking like time for me to transition and work on some writing and yeah. try a different way of, of telling stories and making people laugh mm-hmm. and touching people. And, so.
0: yeah, you and – I was just saying before we hit record. Um, this is on? This is on. Oh, no, this is a brother. show. We're on a show right now. This is happening. <laughs> uh, no, um, that's – I was just saying you inspire me because I – everything that has been – because I'm I sort of have the same story that – I was performing. I did improv a lot. I did some musical theater. And then you just keep having success. Like, you got to follow the success, really. you got to stop knocking on the door that they're like, we're not home. (laughs) And go where, you know, people are going to invite you in. Uh, So that's kind of the same trajectory. But you're having a lot of success in writing right now.
1: Yeah, sort of manifesting it now. But but feeling really grateful to be doing what I'm doing. I love it. And kind of... I'm of two minds right now. Cause I've always believed that you, you have to sort of envision the you mm-hmm. that you'd like to be down yeah. the line and then just live as if you're already that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's why this show rivals Oprah. I think so. Yes, well, I don't think that's the only reason. I think you you just you have what it takes. You've got charisma in droves. I do have a recorder. That is what it takes. Two microphones. (laughs) Two microphones. That's where it starts. But I think at the same time, it's important to uh, to remember that uh, you don't get if you don't ask. Right. And so I'm on a journey of now putting it out there.
0: Well, um, if I do say so, if I may say uh you have had some you put it out there and your people are interested now you've got a screenplay that's that's being looked at by people
1: you may say that like, okay good good. <laughs> good
0: i never know because uh last episode do you know Ra- isaac robinson smith
1: or a couple y- of episodes ago uh, yes we've yeah. met in passing yeah. yes
0: he's he's got a job that no one can talk about and, right and Everybody in his real life knows all about it, but he's like, I can't say anything out loud in an official capacity. And I'm like, well, that thing, can we talk in code? You know, it's all coded. Right. Uh, But this screenplay we can talk about.
1: Yeah, we can talk about it uh, within reason. I'm very excited about it and I'm very proud of it. And, it's sort of the it's the second in a, a collection that are totally unrelated. Yeah. two screenplays that I've got now, sort of in my trunk, that I'm really excited to uh, to show people. Yeah. And this one, without sort of spoiling the the selling point or the hook, mm-hmm. is uh, a musical, which was my uh, my my bread and butter for. Br- Pardon my twisted tongue. There we go. There's a twisted tongue. It's, this one's a musical that was my bread and butter for a while. So yeah. it's a comfortable place for me mm-hmm. to uh, to write in. But it's also sort of a, a dramedy, let's mm. say. Because I think in real life things are funny. Yeah. And so it's honest to have characters who sometimes say funny things but mm-hmm. go through things that are well, serious. Well, and
0: I think it is innately Southern to do this, but I don't think it is exclusively Southern that when tragedy happens... Um. everybody just you have to find a glimmer of humor yeah. in it or else you'll just be swallowed up by it mm-hmm. so i think that really resonates so because when you see a drama that's just dramatic from beginning to end right it doesn't resonate with people you there could, has to like be a R little bit of and flow in, uh, yeah
1: never ending story right you you, <laughs> you sink in that sort of yeah. thing and so I think you're there's good something to some Some buoyancy in a story Mm -hmm. like that. So anyway, this one, now it's going to sound overtly comedic, but this screenplay is about a fictional British drag queen named Trudy Parcher. Uh, who's a well-known impersonator and she sort of goes through an identity crisis and it all takes place during COVID lockdown, which we all remember. Yeah. And that, that really changed things for, for all of us and the way we live. So I love that. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to get people in the room. We had a rehearsal. Uh, uh, I will say the other day that, uh, that went really well and was a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. just to make sure everybody in the cast felt comfortable pronouncing all the words and, uh, sort of understood the tone and, yeah. and felt like they were in a good place yeah. and, and
0: you're having a reading soon, yeah. This and upcoming I've been week. invited. Yes, I can, and, I can't I'm wait. Oh, and I'm available. Oh, and I'm gonna good news. hear it, and I can't wait. It's gonna be so good. Um, I also need everyone to know that you had set a goal for yourself last year, and I would say that you achieved it swimmingly. And that goal, do you even remember what I'm talking this about? Is You're news so to me, shocked. yeah. You set a goal for yourself. You said you want to be the adult male version of Amelia Bedelia,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you do such a good job. Yeah, that doesn't sound like me. No, that was me. Now I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah that sort of it, it comes natural. That's where your humor
0: is. That's where that is so distinctly where your humor is. Sometimes, yeah. Um, I still to this day i I play the one the moment. I call it the moment with Andrew Hodge. In my head. And you know what moment I'm talking about. I think so. I think I know where (laughs) this is going. During the Halloween season, Mm -hmm. somebody came to our work and they said, guys, you're never going to believe what I just saw. I just saw Jojo Siwa running a red light. And what did you say? I
1: think it was something to the effect of like, oh, how'd she get that job? (laughs) every day i did a spit take when you said it and literally
0: i wake up every morning with that in my head and i'm like that son that's of a bitch that's so funny that, that son of a bitch i mean honestly so i'm really stupid. grateful that
1: that had such an impact on you because i from time to time forget that ever happened but i think there is real excitement in life to be found from yeah. just hearing words in a different way mm-hmm. and and turning a conversation on its head i really love that
0: and you also you you immortalize moments in life through your through ringtones.
1: Oh, I do that too. Yes, <laughs> that
0: are so insignificant, but they become so important. Uh-huh. Uh, for instance, uh, in our in a break space that we use mm-hmm. for our job, the microwave is one of those new age microwaves that play you a little ditty when it's done and everybody panics when they hear your alarm go off cuz it's the microwave chime. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, I really like that one especially now because I've also choreographed a dance <laughs> to go with the microwave sound. Mm-hmm. So it's become sort of like the the microwave yeah, and so cinematic whenever
0: but anybody is <laughs> warming something in the microwave, you sprint to it so that you can do the dance as the microwave is or done. Or when they're I love it.
1: when their um, their tikka masala is done, I think it's time to clock in because I, I think it's <laughs> <Right>. my alarm. <laughs> I, it's, I'm really doing myself no
0: service. You really are. It's it's uh, it's fun though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, while okay, so now I have a new goal or uh, sort of like mm. um, self-inflicted catchphrase (laughs) it was the adult Amelia Bedelia Mm -hmm. so now I'm doing this new thing where I want to embody a one-man Barbenheimer because I've got these two screenplays that I'm really (laughs) thrilled about and one is like pink and it's about a, a British drag queen yeah and then the other one is a true story and it's a drama about an American family and a British photojournalist during the Vietnam War and so they couldn't be more opposite. Obviously, mm. I hope that they both still feel truthful and that there's something mm-hmm. buoyant and and uplifting and touching about both. Yeah. But uh, but that's sort of what I'm going for now. Having these two things that are sort of like a one-two punch.
0: I love that. that I, I really love that. And what uh, what brought what brought both of these stories out of your mind and your heart?
1: You know, the first was uh, years ago, many years ago, when I lived in New York. I was visiting my nana. Uh, Mm -hmm. who's no longer with us. But this is when she was living not far away from uh, from the city. And I was in her basement looking through an old book. Mm -hmm. And it had iconic cover images from a a particular publication, a magazine. And one of them just really struck me. I was just flipping through sort of passively. And this one image just really stood out to me. And um, so then I read a little bit about it. And the story I found really compelling. So then I thought at the time, because I was immersed in musical theater and working Mm. as a musical theater actor in New York, that, oh, there's probably a musical here. I bet there's something that I can churn out of Mm. this. So I I wrote little licks of melodies and things, and it just, it turns out it wasn't a musical. (laughs) And so then it it got shelved for years, and I didn't touch it. I just kind of thought about it a lot. But then once in passing, I mentioned it to my mom. and She knew not the the protagonist, the main character, the photographer, because he had died before when she was in high school, but she recognized his name because she went to school with his daughter in real life. And so I thought, like, all right, well, there's a sign I got to I got to dig this Mm -hmm. up again. There's got to be something here. Yeah. I found myself living in Hollywood years later and got to thinking, and this is when everything was shut down. And so all we really could do was just drive around with a notebook and sit under a tree. Mm-hmm. And so I did that with this story and I thought like, I just think it's a screenplay. And I think it's uh, ideally it's an epic, really exciting one that, mm-hmm. um, that could potentially touch a lot of people. So I, I started working on that. And then at the same time, without spoiling exactly the premise of my other story, uh, there was this, somewhat iconic Instagram post and it was very pop culture and of the moment during COVID lockdown. And it got me thinking about this imagined character Mm -hmm. and truth be told that character was sort of, on a similar path to one that I'm on. yeah. And so some songs that I had written and thought nothing of for a long time mm-hmm. made a lot of sense for that character's storyline. Yeah. And so then I started putting the pieces together and it started looking funny. And then it started looking sincere. And so I just kind of kept mm-hmm. chiseling away at that. And so now I've got these two uh, sort of antithetical things that I'm equally really passionate about.
0: And that's fantastic. But you, you have a brain that just... Should be examined by science.
1: <laughs> Hopefully not anytime soon. Not anytime
0: <laughs> soon. No, no, you're sure. you're you're healthy. You're vibrant. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Drink your metamucil. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Drink your juice, Shelby. <laughs> drink your juice, Shelby. Um. No, you have a brain that just it thinks of things that other people don't. And you created a board game. when I, The first thing that we talked oh, about. Oh, that's right. You know, I when, would
1: actually love for people to know about this. Please tell. This, this is the Cinema Syllable Homophone Synonym Game, right? Yes. Okay, I love this game. Do you game. want to play? I did. I, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, well, then I'll be put on the spot. I feel like I will somehow be terrible at it. I know, I should have told you. No, 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 that's okay. Maybe what we can do is... um pretend that we just did it in the moment but yeah. we can like totally prepare a, a round of the game <laughs> so we just sound brilliant it's yeah, so funny Exactly. but the idea of the game is that you take a movie title and you break it down into syllables mm-hmm. and if those syllables either are themselves already a word or they sound just like a word then you come up with a synonym for each syllable and that's what you offer as clues and then the players have to take your uh, clues and try to find their way back up to the movie title uh-huh. and and, um, and then there are little intricate rules in there where, like, if you have to elide consonants together so that you can use them for two adjoining syllables, then you can. Um, you have to be conscious of using different parts mm-hmm. of speech than expected. So yeah. Yada, yada, yada. But um, but it's a really fun game. I, see, your brain. I love it. It's nothing if not simple. <laughs> yeah. And
0: this game.
1: I think it's also, I like that it's, um, <laughs> let's say, cinephilic. Is that... How you would sort of use that word? You know, it's, I would um, have thought
0: it was a real word until you second guessed yourself. There you go. Well, I, well, then we'll edit the, the yeah. second guessing. Yeah, out. yeah well, it's
1: fun. Yeah, it's, uh, for people who like movies. I think, yeah,
0: I think. it it really is, and and that's that's our whole world. Yeah, that we you know because we it, it's funny because Hollywood's not a small town, but it's a big city full of many small towns. Right, in the way that we just all seem to
1: run in the same circles and everybody i think that's uh that can be anywhere really or Mm -hmm. i've in my experience that has happened anywhere because i think uh it's not so much about proximity but Mm -hmm. it can be about uh sharing a vibration yeah and if you're on a similar path to somebody or uh to a collective group of people Mm -hmm. you see each other i think there's I really fixate on a lot of sort of phenomena, mm-hmm. like the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, where if something is introduced to you, then it appears to be all around you yeah. suddenly. And so I think if you're on the same wavelength, you start to run into the right crowd. Mm-hmm. And uh, It I feels agree. like a small and town. And
0: that's why I had you here today, because I need to get on your vibration a little more. Let's do it. I do. I need to do that. Um, but Because you lived in New York City. When did you live there?
1: It was for the better part of like 12 years but mm-hmm. a, a good chunk of 10 years not long after high school so yeah. uh, up until about 3 years ago i lived in so New we York.
0: were there the the entire time i was there mm-hmm. you were there as well and we never saw each other well there you
1: have it we weren't yet on the same yeah, frequency yeah we were not
0: in the same frequency and now but we're approaching it we're, now we're we're here we're getting <laughs> yeah, there you know but um but you never did any kind of improv or anything in the city that was sort of my own well, my main yeah i mean my, my main success was done was founded improv totally. musical improv Mine in was, new
1: york musical improv was my nightmare honestly i did one musical improv like uh, uh crowd participation night mm-hmm. at some somewhere a friend yeah. got me out of the house and convinced me and um And had like a modicum of success where I felt like, oh, this isn't frightening. Maybe I could do this Mm -hmm. and have fun doing this. Um, And I rhymed something with something on the spot and I felt really good about myself. But truthfully, musical improv for years was something that really terrified me. I really thrive on... The appearance of uh shooting from the hip, yeah. but actually having rehearsed, Which,
0: you know, and we this happens all the time when you watch a TV show that's a fantastic comedy. Everybody's like, "Oh, I bet that was improv."ed I'm like, "Or
1: they're really good. Maybe
0: that's just <laughs> great writing mixed with great actors." Right? <laughs> that's it's it's all supposed to feel like it's right out of your head. Exactly. Um, but th- I find that. Actual gifted musicians hate musical improv. It's like, mm. oh. and I'm someone I concur. Yeah. No, you're great. You're a fantastic <laughs> musician. And I'm someone who literally m- my beloved code name, Robert mm-hmm. always, when we're talking about people who can sing, like we're very like, do y'all sing? Do you sing? And he goes, Kyle's got a great voice. He just needs to know how to control it. Sure. <laughs> sure. Like that's code for it's fine. Um, uh, yeah. And I can stay in key, sure. But I don't. I'm starting to start to get into reading sight reading music, and you know, oh, and, I, and I'm not trying to become Beethoven.
1: But there are those. I mean, but she. I know she listens. If if you're listening, comment below. I think Barbara Streisand doesn't read music. <laughs> you know, I, so it's. <laughs> It's like it, everybody's on their own journey. there
0: you go. and yes, thank you for listening, Barbara. You've been a long time listener friend of the pod caller, yeah for friend, <laughs> friend of the pod, Barbara Streisand. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. I like I it was a moment for me in New York City when yeah. I started my journey on uh in musical improv because it was a drop-in like it was like you could sign up, put your name in the fishbowl, and all everybody that I did improv with we were there. Uh, Because we were with the Magnet Theater in New York. I don't know if you knew the Magnet Theater much. I can't
1: swear, but I think that's the one I did one time. (laughs) It probably was. Um,
0: Over on uh, 8th Street or 8th Avenue. 8th
1: Avenue, like Midtown West. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. It was literally, yeah, just Midtown West. Um, But I did it, and we all signed up because we were taking classes and we were performing and all that at the Magnet. And everybody that came with us that night that was in my class, they got called up on stage and I just never got called up. They didn't pick my name out of the fishbowl and they were like, we're going to, we've got one more person and uh, this one you will do with the host who was like, she was like an opera singer. She was fantastic. And I mean, it was just her talent was, I was like, Oh God. And I was like, and I, and you know, you know that moment where you're like, it's going to be me. I'm going to have to do th- I'm going to have to do this. And I don't you know, I was I would have bet everything I had. I was like they're about to pick my name out of that bowl. And they did. And I was like, "Yep, there we go." And everybody was like, "Oh my god." And nobody had ever heard me sing. And then I got up on stage and for whatever reason, it just fell into gospel. Yeah. The 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 house band was playing and I, it just went very gospely. And, and when I started singing it, everybody just kind of gasped because they, I guess, because they didn't think that I could do anything <laughs> like that. And after that, people from the school was like, are you on the musical improv track? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you are now. Oh, because wow. Because that was phenomenal. And they were like, you've never done musical improv. I was like, no, I just I sang in church. And right. I, well, went that's a, why. I went to a very conservative church where they didn't do musical instruments. So we all sang a cappella, So and also, I was the best singer at that church, so yeah. I had to help bring everybody. I was better than the song leader, so I was like, "Let me show you where the key is." I got this, Roger. Let me let me show you where the key <laughs> is. And I, you know, I hate to say it, but if he's listening, which he won't, um, do better, sure, because <laughs> he's still the song leader is at my he? mom's church. Yeah. Oh, see, um,
1: I think that's cool because it's like sometimes I think. Not that I believe myself to be an intellectual, but I think people who think a lot tend to imagine that they already know the answer and that Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of planning and then executing the plan. But sometimes it's just that chance
0: thing. You've watched me live amongst us. (laughs) Right. Most of the time, I'm shooting from the hip and it works out okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well,
1: I think that that can be really liberating. It, it, it really is. It seems like that would be frightening that you don't know what to expect, mm-hmm. but the truth is, when something like that happens, and not only is everything okay, but yeah, you actually come out better on the other end. That's uh-huh. reassuring. Well, and I.
0: I am finding, for me, the trouble is now getting where you are because you are an intellectual, which I do fancy myself an intellectual. I don't know if you've heard, but I have a history degree. <laughs> oh, is that so? Karen always makes fun of me. She's like, why are we doing this? And I said, because I have a history degree.
1: No, I don't know. I've never been terribly interested in history. Really? It's a thing of the past. <laughs> <laughs>
0: see there you are but um but i'm trying to get so i have the the intellectual mindset to be curious but you have the notion to put it down on paper plan it out and get it to it and that's where i'm having to like that's outside of my wheelhouse so i'm trying to make a better practice of of putting it down and really putting like giving it making it something that someone can take and use rather yeah. than just the performance because think the writing and
1: that that to me to be totally honest i think when i if i really examine where that came from mm-hmm. and the the get up and go the 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 firecracker under me to do yeah. that honestly is a fear of dying i think there is something about feeling like you have limitless potential mm-hmm. and that that is just something that's gonna that's gonna go on and you're gonna be able to use yeah uh that being in that safe place can keep you from moving and doing anything mm-hmm. when, and then when it, I had a moment and I realized like things change all the time and you don't always have control over the yeah. outcome. And so if you've got something you think is great, put it down and share it because, yeah. uh, it's not a matter of legacy or any big ideas like mm-hmm. that, but nothing is permanent. And right. so if we can lay something down and affect people, I think that's really well, exciting.
0: And that that speaks to me because I would say, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast. I love that you like you you nailed it right there. No. Oh. Bullseye. Uh, a fear of dying has been the catalyst for pretty much everything I've ever done in life. Hmm. In the fact that I, I, the, in the, being in the South, the, it, everything is oriented around funerals. Yeah. Everything's oriented around dying. Yeah. Uh, my family has a family plot at, at the church where I grew up. Like when I was growing up, it was my grandmother's grave. There was one grave in the cemetery, yeah. my grandmother. And then when I was, uh, in first grade, my first cousin, um, someone I grew up with, he died in a car crash And then there was two graves and then my grandfather died. And then my dad is buried in that same cemetery. And then the cousin who died, his father just passed away this year. They buried him there. And it's just, death has always been around and it scared me. It Mm. scared me. And this is is silly, but I'm like, I wonder if there's anybody else out there that feels this way. My, we, Do you remember the TV show that was hosted by William Shatner called Rescue 911?
1: I don't think I have an actual memory of it. I have memory of like it being brought to my attention yeah. after the fact. Yeah. We
0: used to watch that, and my mother didn't know that I had a severe fear of death at like first grade because Mm. my cousin died and it was just so heavy and my whole family just fell apart when it happened and i was just like and then every week or every night on what used to be the family channel uh we'd watch rescue 911 what was (laughs) did i just have a stroke (laughs) every night we'd watch rescue 911 and there would be william shatner and he's like when you have to cross the railroad tracks but your car stalls it's bad And then they do a a whole reenactment of that whole thing. And I'm just watching people almost dying. And every once in a while, they would die (laughs) on the show. And I'm just like, and I would sit there every night and pray and hope that these people would not die. And they were actor reentic... You know, so that really hit on it. and. I have my journal here. I've been you journaling. Know, I didn't know I was... that the pen.
1: This is for, for the, <laughs> for the listeners out there who can't see what just happened. Kyle picked up his journal and there's a pen on top of it, and I didn't realize it was attached. So when the pen didn't fly off the journal, that was thrilling for me. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is not a visual medium, but Wow. <laughs> Well,
0: the point of me doing this witchcraft where the pen stays is—I've been journaling since I was sixteen. I've kept a journal. Exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) That's why my left arm is so much bigger than my right. I'm jacked. But that's that coming all the way back around to your point. That's that sort of hits on the nail for me too. But it's interesting too that we're similar age, Mm -hmm. and that's where we're really seeing something being blossomed right uh, that's really blossoming in that that it's it, it gets to that point,
1: and I think it's nice for it to feel fun and exciting, and it does mm-hmm. feel that way. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking <laughs> the pen about the yeah. It's too funny. Um, <laughs> where all right? So quickly to get off the point is that I am excited to be sharing things with people and making people laugh, but it also does feel at this point in life like there is an imperative to it mm-hmm. that. Um, it's that hopefully it's it's far in the future yeah. the way, way 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 over there at the horizon but that there is a limited amount of time uh-huh. to do everything you're capable of yeah. and so better start yesterday you know yeah
0: and that's and that's me too that's why we were talking about earlier before we started the show I'm doing yoga and I'm like trying my damnedest to stay in yoga because I walk around all day and then my hip just hurts and I'm like, am I going to, I'm starting to catastrophize Mm. everything. I'm like, do I need a hip replacement? I'm only 36. Right. And then also like, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I'm going to, do- we're talking, do you, do you talk about doctors a lot now in your life?
1: Yeah. I find <laughs> that like, that comes up.
0: I'm like, I've got to get a, I've got to get a colonoscopy now. Uh, right. Like, um, right. so it's, yeah, I, I, I feel that point that mm-hmm. limited time, but.
1: And I think that, you know, obviously there's a, there's a hope to, Hey, there's a hope that you'll, uh, you'll say something that's meaningful in that, in the time that you're mm-hmm allotted um because it's not really like not everybody gets a a statue carved out of stone or any of that kind of stuff um but i think there is some sort of a desire to Mm -hmm. uh to be part of a a chain which is i mean that's really what history to me is Mm -hmm. about too is is recognizing that you're uh that your impact is part of a sequence mm-hmm. that started before you and is going to continue yeah. after you. I think that's actually really uh, right.
0: remarkable. Sometimes in my journal, I fantasize about who will find them in about a hundred years. And mm-hmm. I just leave them little notes.
1: I like that. <laughs> I'm just
0: like, if you're reading
1: this, I think about this and crazy. I tweeted it or whatever. Now, whatever that's called, I even, I, do we call it X? I don't even that's know. Stupid. How'd uh, they change the name? But the, that years ago I was at an audition and I was, uh, I was dancing And there was a group. Now I hope that this person actually doesn't know that this story is about them because I would hate for them to feel bad Yeah. because it's trivial to me because I don't know who they are. But I was (laughs) dancing and there was a group like off to the side that really wasn't supposed to be dancing yet, but they were marking a little more than they should have been. And I did this pirouette and then somebody to my right smacked me in the hand and it really messed up my wrist. And it hurt like that day, but I didn't think too much of it. But then every day since, and we're talking years, it clicks or it hurts or I can tell when it's going to rain. Oh, my gosh. And I think sometimes, like just to sort of make light of it, because mm-hmm. who knows, maybe one day I won't be able to open a door with this hand, <laughs> that someday <laughs> the the people that dig up my ancient bones will find evidence of this person at that audition right. that smacked me in the hand. <laughs> <So> <laughs> funny. They're like, what happened to this person's hand? We don't hand? know anything about his life, we but his yeah. wrist. Just That's jot it down in your journal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Leave it on your hard drive. This happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe do you know the part do you are you still in the oh, not at life all. of this person? That's I mean, I think about those things as well. Like how do we impact each other mm. on the, on our journey? And you just never know what will be important to someone else. Right. And you just don't ever know the way that
1: you can infect, affect somebody, can you infect can, somebody. You never know. <laughs> you know. And not to pin this too directly to somebody else's project, but I, I saw it now multiple times because I think it's really beautiful a movie called All of Us Strangers. Have I you saw, it about you saw it too. Yeah, I saw it. And there's something about it recently one it's got me thinking that really all we're ever doing is just try- trying to remember our mother that's like so much yeah. of what being a person in your 30s feels like it's mm-hmm. and my mother's still here yeah they're still here. my mother's still here but there's something about that longing to yeah uh to remember a time in our lives when we felt safe and all of yeah. that. and then also that film brought up to me the idea that you really just never know when Somebody that you encounter in your sphere, uh, regardless of uh, the sort of, um, how profound your relationship is mm-hmm. there, there might just be somebody who just doesn't want to be alone tonight. You yeah. Know? And, and so I've been thinking about that a lot and mm-hmm. I haven't really drawn a conclusion about it, but I just feel like I'm, I'm glad to be a little bit more grateful or uh, mm-hmm. grateful a little bit more aware Yeah, of, um, where other people may be coming from. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I try to do that as well because I when I was living in New York, I, I'd never like I lived here in Los Angeles for one year when I was nineteen and twenty. Like I turned twenty in during that year. And then I went back to Alabama, and went to college, finished college, and mm-hmm. then um, went to New York City. And so I'd never been to New York before. I really moved there. I went and visited once. Um, but I worked on I worked at the Barnes and Noble. Uh, on 81st street Mm -hmm. on the west side do you ever did you ever hang out up there
1: absolutely because i used to dance uh i mean i made a career of dancing for many years and so i was always at like steps on broadway in the 70s over there Mm -hmm. so i was up in that area. yeah
0: so that was the i was the sort of the customer service manager Mm -hmm. one of them at that barnes and noble and these upper west side ladies would come in and i would just say how are you doing today and they wouldn't even respond And I'm just like, and so it. I don't know why that impacted me so much. And so I said, I'd rather you be angry at me for no reason than ignore me totally because I'm here and I matter. And so from that moment on, my philosophy has always been, how did you make others feel? Yeah. So when someone's speaking, I try to listen and make them feel like. What you're having to say is important, even though sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, spit it out. (laughs) I don't ever give them that energy because I'm just like, you don't know. Maybe they just needed somebody to listen. I always think about how did you make others feel? And it's interesting. And I've had to do a lot of work with my therapist uh, on watching other people be treated much better than I am by certain people. Uh but now I'm just like I don't know what it is and maybe it's not my business why people just don't want anything to do with me. Hmm. Whenever I was like all I wanted to do is be nice to you. Yeah. And you know and that's it was it was hurtful for a long time um in New York and then it just kind of keeps coming up and I hope that I'm done with caring <laughs> about sure. the fact that people don't like me.
1: <laughs> well, and I think life can be surprising when it feels like you have no control over yeah. that. Uh, but really, our reality is so much affected by our perception. And mm-hmm. so if you start giving less credence to those kind of interactions yeah. and you focus on the way you make people feel, uh-huh. I feel like before too long, it feels like you're having less of those interactions. Yeah. And then before you know it, you are having less of them. Yeah. And then they vanish.
0: Exactly. And And I've seen that because there was this breakthrough last year where I was just like, I no longer care. Mm-hmm. What if you I'm mean like I did what I had to do to make you feel good if you didn't want to receive that that's on you right and you should go see your therapist <laughs> um and I saw the shift where people were like um they were they were noticing that I no longer was like giving them of giving of myself to them and I'm like well you didn't want it right you know you didn't want it if you want it you gotta you gotta take it when I'm giving it sure if that's what you want but that's and so i'm I'm really focused in for myself on uh just yeah making my world footprint smaller and working Mm. on the art and focusing on the people my therapist and i we talk about seeking those who are seeking me i like that a lot like you know you know you know and everybody knows what that means like if you if i'm seeking you and you don't seek me back like good luck Mm -hmm. goodbye um but what about you do you have any sort of philosophical way that you live life is there any spirituality in your life um a nebulous
1: one, mm-hmm. to be frank. I think the uh, there was a point, and it actually came to mind earlier in the conversation. So, just to briefly touch on it, that I was spiraling about fearing dying because a lot yeah, of people see, in my life had died. You made me spiral, and I was well, like, let me talk about my therapist. Let's have a therapy session." Exactly, and I didn't, yeah. didn't mean to turn no, no, it into I a rabbit it. hole. But I'm, I'm thrilled with, I it, love with it. Let's where go down it, it took us because yeah. then I was reminded that years and years ago, I, I really wasn't sure what I thought about uh, an afterlife or and mm-hmm. I still don't have a name for for yeah. it but uh, my mom recognized when I was young that I was really tapped into logic and chemistry actually at the time all, mm-hmm. all made a lot of sense to me and I could I really responded to a cause and an effect that yeah. you could trace and understand and I didn't understand. how how people could die i thought that wasn't fair and then what happens when they do Mm -hmm. and my mom recognized like i've got this kid whose brain works a certain way um so she said look i don't understand it either i don't think it's fair either but what i do know is that just like for the most part i mean outside of uh sort of splitting the atom when something exists it doesn't ever disappear. It just changes shape, turns into yeah. something else. And so, if you if you know that there's something about a person that you can't quite put your finger on, but it makes them unique, or, or um, that they that is their identity, the same sh- should be true of that thing. That it doesn't ever just vanish. That it turns into something else. And maybe we don't know what that. Something else is, but that image to me one it made a lot of sense to my little childhood self. Uh-huh. But it also, I think, is really beautiful and uh, and I, I and I think beautiful. indisputable. There's whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. I think that core idea is really, really beautiful. So yeah. So I tend to to uh, circle that sort of a philosophy where I I don't have a lot of. Answers. Some maybe some people think they do have the answer. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that I think that's possible, but yeah, but I think asking the questions is important. Yeah. And so for me, um a spirituality is about uh recognizing a, a connectedness to other people and yeah. to things even beyond people, just kind of our mm-hmm. our reality and our world and our universe beyond that. Um It's similar to the way I think about magic, that maybe it's not as simple as like pointing a wand at something and it it changes colors or whatever, but there is something about recognizing the power that you have to, Mm. um, to change your mind and then change your circumstances, to change other people's worlds for them just by acting on your thoughts. And so to me, that's a kind of magic and mm. i think that that's available to all of us and so that makes me feel really powerful and connected so i I'm, I'm that's where i'm at
0: you that i was not expecting to be this emotional today that was really beautiful Aww. and and i really believe that and and you had said some people think they have all the answers i remember when i, I take inspiration from people i think it was because of where i grew up there wasn't a whole lot Of anything. There was no musical theater. There was no... There was nothing. It was... So I had to find it through my means. It was TV. And then when I was 10 years old, uh, we got our... I got my first computer and I had the internet. And so I found it on the internet. And so... I took inspiration from Brene Brown. Do you know Brene Brown?
1: I know of Brene Brown. Yeah, I don't really she know. She was work.
0: on Oprah's one of Oprah's shows, Super Soul Sunday, I think, mm-hmm. or whatever. And she was saying about faith. She said, if you have all the answers as a religious person, do not ever call what you do faith. Mm-hmm. Faith is mystery and uh mystery and what was she said, mystery and also something like just letting it giving it over to the mystery of it all sure. she's like if there's no mystery in it you've got all the answers don't call what you do faith there mm-hmm. has to be faith and uncertainty that's what it was uh mystery and uncertainty comes along with faith Interesting. Um, and i and that's and so i always tell people no you're you may be religious you may have this book you may have this whatever and i i do consider myself a part of a religion i won't yeah. say religious um but Nobody knows for sure, right? You know what I mean. I'm like, nobody knows for sure. We all might, we all might be completely <laughs> wrong.
1: But meanwhile, those that know for sure are up there somewhere, laughing at us. Yeah, saying, they're yeah, like, bro. yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs>
0: um, but also, um, I just, I don't have a lot. The older I get, the more I'm like, spirituality is not for an afterlife if you're using all of your spiritual prowess for what comes next and using none of it for right now mm-hmm. when we are all here connected and what are the only things we do know for sure you you're doing it wrong i think
1: yeah i think it. well maybe it can be both things but mm-hmm. i think it is important to acknowledge that what we do know is how we feel mm-hmm. and um and i think i mean i think all the way to it's not necessarily something I practice, but I think all the way over to like pleasure is something that you you experience, and and I think that's something to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think everything on that spectrum is uh, a version of real, mm-hmm. and it's happening right now. Yeah, and and we have some sense of power over it. Mm-hmm. And so I think being tapped into that is um, is is. Not only vital, but I think it's cool. I agree.
0: <laughs> um, so I, I sort of use the tagline for this show. I say a conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So in the space of who you are and what you're doing now in your life, writing and really creating and, and getting some success with that and getting people interested in what you're doing, mm. how does that make you feel? Like what beyond? Oh, it feels good, but like, what are your feelings about that type of thing?
1: Uh, I feel honestly, part of it is about this experience, recording a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. I I had felt uh, some trepidation about this exchange because mm-hmm. conversation with you is always very easy, but yeah. something about uh, putting it on uh, on wax as it were, and and sending it out, you know, into the airwaves was frightening to me. But I think uh, doing this, having a lot of fun doing this, Mm -hmm. I'll say, um, has been really enlightening that it it can be an exciting process. And it can also, that sounded so Southern. I'm not, I'm not Southern, but it does happen.
0: When we're together, it, I even forget you're not southern. Uh-huh. I think, oh my God, he's southern. But you're not. But because just... I
1: said I and I was trying to remember what they were today. I said a couple of things. What well, my I think the first one that that um like put me on the board was it's like flicking, uh, (laughs) flicking crickets off a log because
0: (laughs) I have so many Southern idioms and you're like, I bet we could just make these up. Uh And then you, you said it's like flicking crickets off a log. yeah (laughs) What was the
1: other day? Somebody, it was somebody's birthday and I was like, is it your birthday? And you said, no. And I said, not mine neither.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He said, not mine neither. And I was like, that's very Southern, Uh, but, but no, I'm not actually Southern,
1: but I think, um, that, and, it wasn't my intention to make this uh, the philosophy of this conversation be sort of cyclical and talk about itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, this has been liberating too. just having this conversation and, and feeling like it's, it can be the beginning of doing more things like Mm -hmm. this and that there's so much more to gain than there is to lose from doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Because I think ultimately both of us hope to be in a position where we're Having talks like this fairly frequently mm-hmm. and sharing the things that we're working on and yeah. and uh, and ho- and I think about fairly often the uh, what it would be to have and whether I would be all right with having a um, there are there can be a hundred people in the room and 99 of them don't believe in you, but one does yeah. like a thing you say over and over. And because mm-hmm. now everything is recorded, yeah. people on YouTube find it and make a super cut. And then right. you look like this parrot. And, <laughs> and so that kind of scared me, yeah. but I think there, uh, that it, it can be a lot of fun to just kind of explore mm-hmm. new ways to tell stories. And from my
0: perspective, because I like that it's kind of going cyclical and talking about itself mm-hmm. because in 2015 I started what became this show. Uh, and it was, it had some stops and starts along the way. And uh, in the beginning, it was just something for me. I was feeling so frustrated at that moment in my life in New York City when I was just like, I'm not working on anything. I just need to create something to hold myself accountable to. Right. And it was this show. And uh, I'd happened to start the show. And then very, very quickly after the show started, I visited Alabama and I took the equipment that, to go record. And I was like wouldn't it be fun if I had my family on this podcast and I recorded an episode with my mom and dad and it's still in this feed and,
1: and you're, I mean, I hope that you're already grateful for that, but you're uh going to be so grateful that that's, I'm finding
0: gratitude and it's interesting new ways to find gratitude because I'm at, Robert. Mm-hmm. Again, I just, I'll just i always snicker at the stupid code name. <laughs> I met Robert. The brilliant
1: thing would be if his name just was Robert, and the code <laughs> name is Robert, to really right. throw everybody off the right. set. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, I met him, and I'd, I'd started dating him after Dad died. Mm-hmm. And when we started dating, he's like, oh, you have a podcast. And I was like, yeah, it's just this little thing. But he got very emotional listening to that episode with Dad, because... He's like, I felt like I was sitting there because it was at my childhood yeah. kitchen table that we were sitting talking. And he goes, I felt like I was at that kitchen table with you. And before I could um, before I could take Robert back to Alabama to see where I grew up, my mom's house burned down, mm-hmm. my childhood home. And the only part that was absolutely destroyed was the table where we recorded that podcast. Yeah. And. Then now you're feeling this way about this conversation. And I'm like, it was just something that was stupid that I was just like, I'm going to hold myself accountable to it. But my family came on after my dad died. My mom did. My sister did. And we talked about what it was like to have grief living so heavily in our lives. And people were reaching out to me and they said, and it was during COVID and it wasn't, he didn't die of COVID, but just simultaneously. And Mm -hmm. people we're reaching out and they said, I've been sharing these episodes with people whose families are just dropping dead of COVID and they're saying it's helping. And I was like, and that was, that was a lot.
1: That must be moving.
0: And I was like, it's very moving. Um, But I was like, Oh, that's a lot of, pr-. and I felt pressure for a brief moment. And I was like, no, no, this is this is what I do. And now to have you here, like you live in the same space now <laughs> forevermore with my father. I love that. And that's like, the, that same feed of this show whatever it will be you will always be here you existed in the same space that my father did and does because it feels current right it feels li- like to go I went back the other day sometimes I go back and just listen because it's like that's you know a conversation that we had and he and if you I, I'd, I'd love to for to share it with you at some point. I would point love to yeah because you'll see. That my father, the way he says things and does things, as gay and cosmopolitan as I try to be, sometimes I'm like, he's there. This this country bumpkin is living right in here in me. And I started saying things like him only after he died. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. But he was they were cause my favorite is when they were talking about a a party line. Do you know what a party line is on a telephone? Yes. Yeah. They yeah. had a party. I didn't even know in Bug Tuzzle, they had party lines. And he said something about some girl. They like she spent hours talking to him on the phone. And I said, What were they talking about? And he goes, Talking about nothing. <laughs> Just, you'd pick it up and you'd say, get off the phone.
1: Yeah. Do you know one of my favorite things? And I think it was it, it was one of my proudest moments. Yeah. We didn't have a party line when I was growing up, but we did have two phones in the same house on the same line, like hardwired yeah, yeah. phones to the mm-hmm. wall. And so my mom knows this now, but, and I really wasn't up to anything. I was such <laughs> a little like goody two shoes and did my homework and all that. But um, <laughs> this one night, I knew I wasn't going to be home in time for my curfew, which wasn't terribly strict, but we just didn't stay out all night. Yeah. And so, I knew that we had two phones in the house. And what would normally happen is if everybody was home, there was a phone downstairs and then one upstairs, like by my room. So if the house got a phone call, two people would answer the phone and then whichever one the call was for would say like, Oh no, that's all right, mom. I got it. And then she would hang up downstairs. So I thought, here's what I'll do. I called the house from somewhere else, from the cell phone someplace. And knowing that my mom was home and she'd be downstairs by the phone. And so I called, and when she picked up, I pretended I was upstairs and I said, no, it's all right, mom. I got it. And then she hung up and went to bed and didn't know that I wasn't <laughs> that there. Is,
0: that is the most Andrew Hodge know, rebellion right? I've ever seen in my life. Like no one was hurt. No one is hurt. Nobody got, uh, nobody. Yeah. Um, but I got away
1: with it. But I think there's something really, um, really beautiful about recognizing that the intangible is just as real as the tangible. The ephemeral. Mm-hmm. The ephemeral because we put it down on a, on a podcast like this, or even just because we remember things yeah. um, that you, a second ago is just as gone mm-hmm. as you 10 years ago or as yeah. you'll be 10 years from now. You know. Right. And, but then if, if that can be true, mm-hmm. then all of that is equally as real. Yeah. And I think that's really, really cool.
0: And gosh, that just, I love that. I, and you know, you and I've never really, zeroed in on this kind of a conversation because we're very we f- you and i especially together find the dumbest humor uh-huh. in everything we do and it's so fun and it's so i don't want to say it's benign because it's not it is very infectious infectious sure and it and right and yeah
1: and i think maybe we were just saving it for the pod <laughs> i think <laughs>
0: so i think so and and you know, I, I just, I let this podcast be my through line that I always kind of return to it. And that's why I stopped saying, th- that's why I stopped calling it in the very beginning Kyle's friends are funny because you really are one of the funniest people I've ever met because you. your brain is so, and I keep saying, and, and it feels so clinical to be like your brain, you got a good <laughs> brain, you got a big old brain. Um, But you really, the way you do things every day is just hilarious, but- I kept finding myself wanting to go deeper into the yeah. the into the, this stuff of life. And so that's why I was just like, you know what? If it's funny, it's funny. And if it's not, it's not. But you put it in the title, people are going to come here looking for funny. And I'm like, well, you know what? We also talked about religion and spirituality mm-hmm. and people dying. And, you know, so I'm like, there's that's there's no like reason the, for that.
1: Kyle's Friends Are Funny being the title of the show doesn't necessarily – say that that's what you'll find here it just is a statement it's like when i used to think i still i mean still think about it and i'm thinking about it right now i'm about to say it (laughs) that when i'm you know when you're at a bar and there's a sign behind the bar that says uh drinking alcoholic beverages during pregnancy can cause birth defects yeah while that is true, it doesn't say explicitly that it can cause birth defects if you drink alcoholic beverages during your pregnancy, because <laughs> it's always during pregnancy. Right. Someone's always pregnant. <laughs> like, and, I can't drink because she's, she's pregnant. pregnant. She's <laughs> pregnant. I don't want to cause any birth defects. It's during pregnancy. And then you go on the
0: crusade to stop everyone from drinking, and that's Until how we Until nobody's pregnant. Right. <laughs> Until nobody's pregnant. Which, that in and of itself, we can talk about that for hours. Uh-huh. The world needs less pregnant people. <laughs> right, so I can finally take the <laughs> Edge off <laughs> oh my gosh well this has been just delightful thank you I, likewise i had a blast really love it. will this. you come back and do it again yeah
1: absolutely this wasn't scary at all in fact i think we should press record and do it for real <laughs> <laughs>
0: you we yeah oh shoot oh, we, we haven't been recording the whole it. time
1: well i think i remember everything we said we'll
0: say it all again So, if you're listening to this, this was a lot of effort (laughs) to do it two or three times until I I figured out where the recording button is. Yeah, Yeah. we got close. We got close. Um, So, I always want people to share in my joy of who you are and whoever my person is with me that day. So, what can I do to help them find you and get more you in their lives? Oh,
1: do you know, at the moment, I wonder... I'm right on the verge of of feeling like it's time to be public. I don't really have a uh, like a public presence on the internet. Or so you anything. don't do Instagram? I do, but I think my account is private. I <laughs> but but I think I'm on the verge. And in fact, this table read that I have coming up yeah. next week that you're invited to and available for and available um, for is the beginning of my feeling really um, pressed to let people in mm-hmm. with. Within reason, with boundaries, but I think that there will be something soon uh, online where you can see what i'm up to and and it it might be my instagram it'd be my name but it's spelled a little funny uh so it's spelled with a a u instead of an e-w a-n-d-r-u and then my last name hodge but at the moment i think that that's private Um, Yeah, (laughs) watch the space i guess but i think the thing you rachel maddow yes yes (laughs) i think the thing you kyle can do most immediately uh if you're available still Next week for the table read is come and enjoy. Yeah. uh, Because that's going to be, and even though that's in person, that's going to be a major first step toward. um, I don't
0: know if you've noticed. Again, we are on parallel trajectories because I was never private, but I never did anything on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And so since the beginning of the year, I've been trying to add to my stories and like, let people in a little bit and, you know, just very tame ways. I don't know if you've been seeing my stories, but it's just Mm -hmm. me growing orchids. Yeah. Like a little old lady.
1: But it, that brings you joy.
0: And Andrew Zutty was like, I could see you just sitting in a garden for the rest of your life. Oh. I'm like, well, good God. <laughs> right. Well, I, here, I thought that sounds great. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, is that what people think of me? I love it, though. Yeah. Me gardening and me doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah. So stay tuned for some deeper access to Andrew Hodge. <laughs> He'll come back as soon as you're instagram is public i'll have you on that sounds great and if you want to follow me on instagram follow me at kyle l henderson and you can see some nice orchids and i do brag because they say orchids are only supposed to bloom once a year i'm on my second bloom this year and i rub it in everybody's face because i didn't know i had a green thumb wow i probably should get that checked out. yeah uh
1: thanks for coming you're the best. Do you know for a second? I forgot you were talking to me when you said thanks for coming. I thought that was like for them out there, <laughs> well, and I was waiting like for you to address me then. <laughs> <laughs> and it just got so quiet for a second, and then I realized, oh no, he—that's yeah, the, you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for you, coming to the show. You know what? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a delight. No, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Well, that's it. Let's let's call it a day. Let's let's, call let's it. go. Let's go do something fun.
1: Indeed. <laughs>